I um, I'm a self-confessed non-rememberer of something somebody tells me. So if you want to quiz me after you've introduced yourself to me and ask me what your name is, I might draw a blank because it just kind of, I hear it and then it just kind of leaves me. Now, where I could get you back is we could hand out a test at the end of a message and quiz you on how much you actually remembered. And we might have the same interesting kind of blank response. Sometimes I can actually walk out of hearing somebody speak and not remember what I was even remembering. And I don't think that's a senior moment. I think that's just been the way I remember it. And yet, somehow it does permeate and get inside. So, where am I going with this? Well, three weeks ago, <laughs> I just want to remind you what I said because I don't expect any of you to remember it. Because I had to go back and, and uh, no, actually, three weeks ago, it was my privilege to share on the difference between what all other religions are and what pure, true Christianity is. And that was a really fun message for me because, for, honestly, for the most part, when I do a message, I wind up learning a lot that stays with me. And, and people smile at my notes. There they are. This is actually really good today. These are really good notes. Um, two color, all hand printed. I did it like four or five times. I have stacks of this stuff. I buy it at Walmart in the, in the fall when it's on sale for going back to school. And I just use it. Now, I know people like Reggie said, you should use a computer on that. And it's like, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. You did. You smiled at when you said it. And then you said, no, no, you should stick with paper because it's never going to freeze up on you, which is true. Frozen paper looks the same. If it's frozen or not, it still works. What I do, actually, just to kind of get on track here, is I actually write things out so I can process my thoughts. It's not really so much that I want to hone it down and impress. It's actually so I finally just, like, does it make sense to me? What, Lord, are you saying to me? And how can I, in a way, share it with everybody else so it makes sense to you as well? So my prayer is that I share this this morning. It will be something that will really resonate with your heart. And, and by the time we've finished, that your hearts would be filled with hope uh, in what God is doing in your lives and what he will do in your lives. So three weeks ago, I shared about the difference between religion and Christianity. And Christianity is this living relationship. It's just an absolute relationship. I am his child. He is my father. We talk. He talks. I listen. I speak. We have a relationship. It's unlike any other religion. It's unlike anything else because it's not based on my effort. A friend of mine, uh, was, his last name is Gandhi. And he's from India, and he was part of the whole tribe of the Gandhis. And before he became a believer in Jesus, he went to the temple two or three times a day. And I said to him, why did you do that? Because it was expected of me. It was my effort to earn what I needed to do. When he became a Christian, he realized, like those of us that have experienced Jesus, that it has nothing to do with my effort. I receive what he's done. So I can go to the temple a hundred times a day, and it doesn't change anything the fact that Jesus died for me to set me free and give me this personal relationship is a gift that I receive, not one that I work or earn toward. So two weeks ago, I was uh, reviewing the message, and Aaron spoke on another core value, which really isn't in our core value uh, written out yet. We're working on those as a staff right now, but this core value is the fact that we can be changed, that we can be made whole through this relationship with Jesus. We can be changed. Now, 
the way I grew up in my formative years in, in my spiritual journey was that I get saved and it was like an insurance policy that kept you out of hell. And it was good. I mean, I don't want to go to hell. And back then we had these horrific little movies that scared the hell out of you because they were all about, literally they did, because they were all about coming home and your mom and dad weren't home because they'd been raptured into heaven and you had been left behind. And they had these morbid songs like, you've been running, running for a long, long time. And it goes into, you've been left behind. <laughs> and I'm like an 11-year-old kid. It's like, aha, I don't want to be left behind. Not in this house. I, I want to go with my parents. And so, of course, I'm going to sign the line and go to heaven. Who wouldn't? So we all signed the line and went to heaven. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. There was a measure of faith that was real at my young age. But it really didn't have much an effect, if anything, on changing me. I just knew that I was going to be going to heaven because I had accepted what Jesus had done for me. So last week, where's Simon? Simon. I have a lesson for him today. I know what they do with crack co I mean with cocaine. I do. So I listened to the message. We were away last week, but I just want to tell you I know what you do with crack with cocaine to, to make it less effective. In case you're wondering and you missed a message, <laughs> I'll explain it. Because it's online, so I was listening to it myself. So last week, Simon talked about how we're the salt and we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And that our lives shine out what is in us, and people are drawn to Christ because of us. It's not what we say. It's actually who we are. And if that gets cut back, if that gets diluted, if that gets less salty, then people aren't drawn to us. And they're certainly not drawn to another religion. We're full of lots of religions. They want to see this light in me, this life in me, this saltiness in me. And if that gets reduced, what effectiveness is it? So he spoke about that. He talked about an uncle that he had whose life drew Simon. There was something about him that was just different. He referred to this man as reeking of Jesus. Now, I have smelt other people reeking of other things, I have not used the term reeking of Jesus, but it's a good point. It does get the point across there. I'm not quite sure if he was a druggie before he got saved, but he's using a lot of analogies here. Because then he goes on to talk about, not sure how it works, but you can cut down other substances like cocaine as well. So just for you to know, you may be better at this than I am, but if you Google it, you can lose its potency by mixing with laundry detergent, boric acid, or laxatives. Just a heads up if you want to know. Doesn't that, all of those sound like really quite disgusting? Yes, that's enough of our lesson. I do volunteer at Jericho Road, and the odd time I say the wrong thing, and they just kind of look at me like, you really don't mean that. Like the first time I went there, and they said, do you want some coffee? And I thought, this is a poor place. I'm not going to ask for milk, and I'm pretty sure they don't have cream. So I just said, no, some white powder will be fine. <laughs> just kind of smiled at me and thought, Nah, you don't want any of that. I'm sure you don't want any of that in your coffee. And it's like, yeah, that probably wasn't one of my wisest things to say. But I got a few laughs out of them unintentionally. So, quite honestly, I was on a completely different track for this message. Completely different track. And as I was looking for verses on this track, I came across another verse and I thought, what? That's what I'm supposed to talk about. The problem is, quite honestly, is that it came to me last night. Uh, after supper and that was kind of like there, there's not a lot of hours between now and tomorrow morning to actually so here goes the verse and 
We'll see what happens here. I was reading 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, and it became a prayer. It became something that just jumped off the pages at me, for me and for all of us. Now may the God of peace sanctify you, make you holy in every way through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. May the God of peace sanctify you, make you holy in every way, through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. So I want to break it down just so we actually know what does that mean? I had a friend of mine come over to our house and he looked through our wedding pictures and it was pure mockery of me. Linda still looks an awful lot like Linda, but her hair is grayer. People look at me and wonder who her first husband was. <laughs> and I'm being serious. One time I was speaking at a church on our 25th anniversary and I thought I'd honor her by putting our picture up and a guy came up to me and said, I thought it was kind of weird you had a picture of Linda's first husband up when you were talking. No, that, that was me. <laughs> I, I have not aged well, but I have been changed. You know what? But I have been changed. Because when I look back at some of my pictures, I honestly don't know that person anymore. And I say that to the credit and glory of God. I don't know that man. But I know this one. And I know that I have been and am being transformed and changed by the power of God's spirit. So this passage starts off with, now may the God of peace. Let's stop right there. Peace. The God of peace? What does that mean? In this sense, the God of peace means himself. May he himself, this God of peace, and it refers to a freedom from any of yours and my effort. Peace. It's not my ability that makes this happen. It refers to the futility of us trying to change ourselves. Religion, that's about me trying to change myself. But relationship, it's about me receiving what he's already done. May the God of peace sanctify you. If you look up the word sanctification or sanctify, in the 1800s it was a common word. And if you look at the graph of word uses, it's gone way, way, way down to it. It's just kind of a minimal and pretty well used in circles of people where if you talk about being sanctified, it will actually refer to people that look like they're miserable. Uh, not totally, but miserable and very conservative in their dress. No outward apparel that would be gaudy or any way like that. I, for years, belonged to a denomination that would have been called a holiness denomination where they believe that you can really come to a place of being sanctified. And, and I do understand where they are coming from with that. In this sense of sanctification, it talks about Jesus, who is this peace. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy so that we fear neither temptation's power nor persecution's rage. The sanctification, there's nothing that temptation has on me anymore. I don't fear it. And I also don't fear being persecuted for what he has done in my life. So to sanctify you, this not, though it's not a common word, what it means is it means to make you holy. 
And I love what it means. So if you can still follow along and grasp what I'm trying to say here, it means for you and I to be set apart. It means to have the likeness of nature with God. It means to be like the Lord. It doesn't mean to look like you're locked in the 50s. It means to be, you look like the Lord. Now let's go back to Simon's message. When you look like the Lord, when people see you, what do they see? Not hard, quick. When you look like the Lord and people see you, what do they see? They do, they see Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that a lot, Dane. Um, so when we are sanctified, people see Jesus in us like Simon's uncle. There's something different about the character of that person. So this passage goes on and says, may the God of peace himself make you like him in nature with him, set apart, holy, like him. The verse goes on, in every way, like him. Isn't that incredible? In every way, may this God of peace sanctify you and make you like him. Makes me holy. Makes me like Jesus in my spirit. Makes me holy like Jesus in my soul. Makes me holy like Jesus in my body. So I tried to, I mean, please don't, you know, don't set me aside and think, oh, this is heresy. I'm trying to just figure out this whole thing. How do you divide what spirit really is, what our spirit really is. For those of you that maybe not even be aware of it, I must confess there's a little twisted side to me at times. I don't mean this is the part being aware of it. I don't mean being aware of spirit. And sometimes, just for fun, I'll actually sit in a restaurant where somebody can't see me and I'll stare at them. And eventually, they'll start looking back to see who's staring at them. I know it's sadistic, but please, you know, you can pray for me. We're going to have a prayer time. You can pray for me. But I would do it just because I don't understand it. How can that person know I'm looking at them? How do you know when people are looking at you? There's something in our spirits as people. Just not, I'm not talking about God's spirit. Just there's a spirit within us. There's something within us that we sense things. There's something like this. And we can sense it with other people. I don't want to get too weird about that. And maybe I shouldn't have said that. But I recognize the spirit part of me is the part of me that connects with God. It's not the material part of me. It's, it's the part of me that actually, the facet of my humanity that connects with God that you can't see. It's not physical here. My soul, the other word for that is psyche, psychology, so psyche. And it's the moral, emotional nature, the relational. It enables us to think. The soul is the seed of your feeling. It's our knowledge. Um, it, it connects with our spirit and our body. So the soul is what holds, it, it, it talks, it, it's part of the spirit, it's part of the body, it's the part in between. It's defined, it's who we are. It's me. The soul is me. And the body, well, this is the body, such as it is, and as it changes, it still is the body, and it will decay, and it will rot away and it will go through transformations as it gets there but we have our eyes and you hear the expression that the eyes are the wind of the soul and the ears we hear and we sense and we can hear um, how and what and the mouth speaks from the fullness of the heart without even knowing it we look at a person's body and we see their countenance and we know where they're at we just know so Jesus says I want to sanctify your entire body. 
soul, spirit, body, everything about you. What happens, and in the area of ministry that I work in mostly, is I see people, and we've all had this happen to us, some more severely than others, but I see people that have been wounded somewhere in their spirit, somewhere in their body, somewhere in their soul. They've been wounded. They've been affected by sin, by abuse, by violence that comes against us. So how does it affect our spirit? And these are just my thoughts, and I'm just kind of helping to work through what this would mean for us. Our spirit, when our spirit is wounded, we don't trust. When I volunteer with these Jericho Road guys, the basic essence of accepting Christ is that you trust him and let him love you. If you have no concept of trust and no concept of love, how do you introduce them to God? And it's very hard. Some have absolutely no sense of trust. So our spirit, it's very hard to let God close. It's very hard to trust, period. Trust is a foreign thing. Out of it comes anger and bitterness toward him and inadvertently we make vows. I have heard people say, I will never, ever let God do that. God can't have me. I've heard that. Our spirit is crushed. You've heard that expression that some people's spirits are crushed and they have no hope. So our soul, when we're wounded by sin, abuse, violence, whatever comes against us, our soul can be broken the emotions and relationships, uh, the, there's fear that comes up. We put up walls, and when we put up walls, yeah, it protects our hearts, but it also keeps everybody from our heart. Walls keep everybody out, keeps us safe, but keeps everybody out. When we've been wounded, the most common thing that we do, and I particularly speak of men, is we pose. And that means we just try to figure ourselves out, and we just try to, no, it's really good. You know, it really didn't affect me that much, and, you know, I'm good, I'm strong, I, I, I'll get through it. But, you know, when God touches that wound, I've never yet seen a man not weep with the reality of what that's still doing to them. And it could have been 30, 40, 50 years later. We disconnect. If the soul is what connects the spirit and the body, when our soul is wounded, when we're crushed, we disconnect, we give up, we just try to live, we just try to get by, we just exist, we try to medicate whatever works, and drugs aren't the only thing that medicates, alcohol is not the only thing that medicates, sometimes we try to medicate through buying, through work, through anything that will keep me from feeling this loss in my soul. When the spirit or soul or both are wounded and crushed, the body wears down. I have met some people that are some of the angriest people I've ever met in my life. They don't come across that they're angry, they're just seething inside. And they have some of the worst physical ailments because their body can't hold or contain the poison that's in their, in their soul. Now, I'm not saying that's true of all. But I am saying that when you have stuff in here, it affects out here. With our body, we try to resolve the issues. A lot of men that are wounded, so I speak, I'm sorry for, for not understanding as much. Uh, I've been married 30, 
six years almost, and still trying to figure out the female part of life. But um, for men, I know what men do is that we medicate sexually. And we try to fill ourselves, and we try to solve the issues with sex. And that's why it's such an incredible, um, the loss we feel in society today has driven sexual desire and activity to be what it is today. It's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. It's hidden in advertisements. It's everywhere you look. And we try to satisfy ourselves. We try to satisfy this pain. We try to satisfy this loss. And it's not satisfied. So we give up on ourselves physically at times. We fill our body with whatever we can do. Some people try to medicate through trying to change their body. And it doesn't seem to ever numb the pain. We have this emptiness of soul. We have this emptiness of spirit. Wounded soul, wounded spirit, wounded body. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Doesn't it just feel like a, a word of encouragement? Let's just all go home and end it now. I mean, no. Because if you were here two weeks ago, Aaron said we can be changed. We can be made whole. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thanks be to God for his gift. He doesn't leave us here. So the difference that's changed in me is that I grew up thinking somehow I get saved and somehow I just live with all of this and I wait for that glorious day and there will be a glorious day when I will see Jesus face to face. But until I get there, I have to live with wounded in my spirit, soul, and body, wherever it is. No. This verse talks about we will be changed. We will be transformed until we see him face to face. He's going to be doing this in our lives now. The God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. The God of peace will make you whole. Is that not a hope to hold on to? I have no hope in my ability to change my life. I have tried to change me a thousand, maybe 10,000, maybe 20,000 times. And I will fail every single time. But I have never yet failed when Jesus has spoken his truth to the very soul of my being and said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I've received that life. I am not the man that I was. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Sometimes I still look in the mirror and I think, I, I don't know this guy, but I'm grateful for what God's doing in him. And even though I'm 61, I'm not done. I don't know how many days I've got, but let me tell you, every day I want to be transformed more and more and more like him. I want to say yes to everything he says yes to. I want to say no to everything he asked me to say no to. I want to ride this one for everything he's going to give me. In absolute freedom because it's the spirit where the spirit of God is. There is freedom in our spirit. There's freedom in our soul and there's freedom in our body. He will make me holy. He will make me sanctified. He will make me whole in every way. How? This is the hard part. He takes us into that very wound. He takes us into the dark places to heal us. How? Some, some people it's through prayer. Some people it's through prayer ministry, through Prayers of forgiveness and healing. I have seen people literally transformed when they receive a place of coming to, sorry, not when they see, when they come to a place 
of forgiveness, of forgiving offenses that they have held. I've seen them transformed before my eyes when they finally reach a place of being able to forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people transformed, including my own life, through strongholds that have been broken off my life. Things that I could not change, that only the Spirit of God can change. He changes and breaks off us. I've also seen vows that I have made inadvertently and the power of them when I renounce them, seeing the freedom that Jesus brings me. The revelation of his spirit to show me what I can't possibly see about myself. The counsel of others, his word, his living word that speaks to me. So he takes us into the wounds that he might heal us. And he does heal us. He changes our behavior. He changes my countenance. Everything changes when we experience and let Christ into the wound. Our spirit comes alive. The spirit of God frees us to move and to be seen within us. My soul reconnects with the body and the spirit. People see like Simon's uncle, there's something different about him. He's whole. He's like Jesus. Our body falls into line with our soul and spirit, whole, holy, and transformed. And the verse goes on to say, and he, Jesus, look where the emphasis is, he, Jesus, keeps me blameless. Do you feel blameless? Honestly, most of us don't. Most of us struggle with that concept because we see shame, we see failure, we know what we've done. But he declares we're blameless. He doesn't just dismiss it. He takes us into the wounds so that we be healed, so that we can be blameless, transformed, innocent. To be blameless means to be innocent, guiltless, perfect, pure, faultless until Jesus returns. He keeps me, Douglas Paul Sprunt, innocent, guiltless, perfect, pure, and faultless until he returns. It doesn't happen when he returns. He does this until he returns. And then when he returns, I shall be completely like him, face to face. I don't know where you are at today. I know there are times when we just feel hopeless. And I just sense that God is giving us his word today as a word of encouragement to each one of us. And I include myself in that, each one of us. That you will experience this hope, this freedom, this life that transforms us, body, soul, and spirit. And makes me this wretch into his likeness. transforms me. What do I do? I let him. I receive what he's done. I don't say no. If you want to go in there and you want to touch a wound that I didn't even know was there, go ahead. Take me into it. So I often pray still, Lord, take me into that wound. I want to be healed. He's so faithful. He's so loving. So this is my prayer for us at Ottawa Valley Vineyard. It's my prayer for every man and woman and child that I meet. May the God of peace himself make you 
holy. 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 May he make you like Jesus. In every way. In every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body, everything about you, be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. We tend to forget about that, but he is coming. He is coming. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And verse 24 goes on and closes this thought off, and it says, the one, the one, the one Jesus who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word. I thank you for sending Jesus because I needed a savior and we needed a savior. I could not save myself. My sin was well beyond anything that I could ever think, imagine, or change. And you sent Jesus to set me free and to set us free. Thank you for Jesus that we celebrate him this morning, that he has set us free through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to accept what you have done that we cannot do, that we can never do. We cannot save ourselves, but we and I can receive what you have done. Thank you, Father, you invite us to let you, by your spirit, touch the wounds, go into places that we've never wanted to go into, to let you heal and restore, and in doing this, to make us body, soul, and spirit sanctified, like Jesus. Father, I don't know of any more effective evangelism than to see lives transformed by you and other people. Seeing this light and salt within us are drawn to you and transformed. Thank you. It is for freedom that you have set us free. Freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from what we could not change. And you invite us into a living, vital relationship where we walk with you. You, our shepherd, we, your sheep, we hear your voice and we follow you. What an amazing exchange. You take all my sin, all my darkness, and transform me and make me like yourself. I pray for this group of people as we hear your word this morning, Lord. I pray that hope will fill our hearts, that it will spring forth, it will bubble, it will burst beyond anything that we think that can't be done. Nothing is impossible for you to do and change and transform. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and do the work of the Father in each of our lives as we hear your, your truth, your word. Not the word of a man, but the word that you speak. Thank you, Father. That you, the God of peace, have come to make us holy in every way. That your spirit, and that 
By your spirit, you free us in our body, soul, and spirit, and you keep us blameless until the day you return. Jesus, you are faithful, and you surely will do this. Amen.